0: We are in this thing that we like to call our um, our our uh, down to earth. We call this the Christmas season for a reason, and Jesus is the reason for the season. And so, um, I celebrate with you this beautiful life that He's given us. And tonight, um, as we started this morning, we were looking at the Magi, and when you when you look at down to earth, there's no other time in history. There's no other religion. Where God comes down to man and becomes man. Every other religion is man ascribing to God. And by his works and by his actions, by what he does, he elevates himself to Godhood. Now, uh, that's a not a very good plan if that's your plan to try to get there. Uh, it doesn't work out well because all of us fall short. In Christianity, the only place where God not only comes down but comes in our... Fo- Takes on our very form, our nature. And that's what we're celebrating at this time, which makes it different than any other time of season. Now, now I had somebody tell me recently, well, shouldn't we celebrate all year long? And I'm like, we definitely should celebrate all year long, but it's like the anniversary. <laughs> There are certain times where you got to get a little dressed up and you got to get some stuff out. and You better get a nice, you better get some flowers and some chocolate. There are certain times you got to go a little bit extra on what you're doing. Like I celebrate my wife all year long, but on that anniversary, it's a little bit different. And so the same thing with with what we're doing. It's like we do celebrate his life all year long, but especially during the anniversary. We want to get uh, all we can out of it. And uh, we 've been unpacking a little bit about how Jesus came down to earth and what that looked like and and we've uh, we've looked at there 's two real major accounts in the in the Gospel of Matthew and in the Gospel of Luke are where the major accounts of the birth story of Jesus in the um, where that narrative plays out and it 's a little bit different in each one of them and tonight. Hopefully, I'm going to take my spiritual needle and thread, and I'm going to sew them together and um, have us one beautiful narrative where we can celebrate the difference of each gospel writer. There's four gospels, and each writer wrote to a different audience. They were writing for different reasons and to reach different people. And so, when one writes an account of something, and another one comes along and writes the same account or, or different, leaves certain details out. It's not that one's right and the other one's wrong. It's that one gives this part of it, and the other one gets it. And when you merge them together, it gives you a beautiful picture of what what's taken place. And so, I thought just to be fun to throw John in there as one of the uh, the um, Christmas stories because it's the shortest one. <laughs> In John 1.14, it's the shortest Christmas story there is. The Word became flesh. There it is, right there. Jesus Jesus became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And we've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so, there is the shortest Christmas story, and most people don't call it Christmas story. Because it don't, it leaves out the wise men. It leaves out the the shepherds. There's no angels reaching out to them. Uh, there's no sheep. There's no manger. So we're going to look at that. But I just thought that's a fun one because it does cover it all right there, and it says it all right there. So tonight, though, here's where and we got a little bit to cover. So I hope you you, you buckle on and buckle up and strap on because we're going to go. We're going to run through some scriptures here tonight, and I'm I'm excited to do it. So tonight we're going to look at this thing of harmonizing. We're going to bring harmony of Jesus' birth recorded in the gospels of Matthew and Luke. We're going to go ahead and tie those together because there are some differences. But I think if we look at the differences, we can celebrate where they, when we put them all together, what it looks like. And so if let's look first at um, the things that they agreed on. And we're going to look at where they agreed and what they looked like with the different ones talking about. The first thing that we could agree on is both of them tell of uh, Jesus being born of a virgin. Both Gospels, both Matthew and Luke tell about that. And in the, um, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 18, this is what it looks like for, for Matthew telling... The Jewish people, and mainly that's who he was trying to convince them that Jesus was the Messiah. That's why he started out in Matthew 1 with the genealogy. He went straight down to say, hey, he is who he says he is. And in verse 18 he said, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. This is what happened. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she found she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Again... When you look in verse 23, let's keep moving. It says in verse 23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which translated is God with us. Like not God's there, but God's with us. That's the whole message of Christmas. The whole message of what we're celebrating is God with us, not us trying to get to him, but he came to us. And then again, in verse uh, 25, here it is. But he did not. Uh, but talking about joseph he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name jesus talking about joseph so that he remained he allowed mary to remain pure and then as we look uh, we're going to look in luke's gospel and he puts it this way real simple one verse to a virgin uh, pledged to be married to a man named joseph a descendant of david the virgin's name was mary that's that's how Luke described it. He didn't go into great detail, but we will see in a moment how that all plays together. The second thing that we can agree, that the gospels both agree on is Mary and Joseph both lived in Nazareth and they both tell that story. And in, in uh, Matthew 2 and verse 23, it says he went and he lived in a town called Nazareth. So it was fulfilled what was said through the prophet that he would be called a Nazarene. So here it is, Jesus the Nazarene, he wouldn't, you know, he was born in Bethlehem, but he had to flee, so he'd be called a Nazarene. And then in, uh, in Luke 1.26, it says this, talking about Mary going to visit her cousin. In the six month Elizabeth's pregnancy, uh, God sent an angel, uh, the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. And so he goes on, to describe again in Luke chapter 2 verse 4. And it says. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth. In Galilee to Judah. To Bethlehem to the town of David. Because um, he belonged to the house in the line of David. That's where they're called to go and fulfill the the law. But but it shows first of all that he would be called. Nazareth. So they, they all agreed. They both agreed. Um, that Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth. The third thing. That they agreed on is that Jesus was in fact born in Bethlehem. Both Matthew and Luke do this, and in Matthew um, Matthew 2:1 it says, "After Jesus was born, whereat oh, in Bethlehem, uh, in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. We'll get, get back to that in a moment. In uh, Luke chapter two, uh, verse four through seven. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn. Now, if you're Catholic, that would be the only one, but however... We know different. Praise the Lord that God didn't play a bad trick on Joseph and said, "That's it. You don't ever get to have, um, you don't get to have relations with your wife." And so that's a that's something that the Catholic Church has propagated. But Joseph, we know from James and others that Mary did have other children. And it said, um, uh, verse six, while they were there, they did verse seven, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in his clothes and placed him in a manger because there were no guest room available for them in the inn. And wrapped in swaddling, that's where you get the nice birth story. So when you see how each one of them began to share what they, the difference that they understand, you can see that although they're the same, they're not exactly the same. One more thing that they both shared and what they both put in their gospel was, Mary and Joseph both returned to Nazareth after Jesus' birth. So he was born in Bethlehem, but he didn't stay in Bethlehem. He went back to Nazareth. And that's what in Matthew 2.23 it says, And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So he was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Again, in Luke 2.39 it says, When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord... They return to Galilee to their own town to Nazareth. Now, here's where we want to begin to look at where, where we kind of divide a little bit, where Matthew put something in there and Luke put something in there. We begin to see the uniqueness, uh, unique, these things that are unique to Matthew and Luke's gospel. And the reason we want to look at that is this. What happens is with Christmas, like many people, have you ever been out shopping somewhere? And you know you need to get some things, and you need to get this person this, you need to get this person this, and you get in the middle of it, and you start thinking, now "Hold it, did I get this for so? No, I got to get this for so." And you start getting mixed up of what you're supposed to get, who you're supposed to get, what you're getting, and if you got a bunch, of, you know, when you get start getting grandchildren, and and you're starting, they hold it, what? No, did I get? No, I got this one, and and then you got to make sure equality, like you can't get one more than the other. You certainly can't do that because especially they live in the same household. Woo! Watch out. You know, you could you could start a war war there and and and, and cause division. What's well, supposed to be a time of celebration. This is where, if we're not careful, this is what happens when people they're like, well Matthew didn't say that and Luke didn't say that. But when you sew them together and you look at how they one decided, hey, I'm going to put this in there and the other decided that when they're silent on an issue, it doesn't mean that they they didn't know it or they didn't come. It's like, this is what I want you to know. And when you put them together, it brings beautiful harmony. And it actually gives us a fuller, more real picture. So the things that are unique, first of all, to Matthew. And we looked at that this morning. Magi visited Jesus. And we saw this morning that Magi were... uh they're astrologers, they're priests, they're wise men. This is a group of people that the Chaldeans, the per- uh, uh, the Persians, the Medes, that was a name they used for them, was a Magi. And so Matthew, he uses that in um, in his gospel. It's found in Matthew 2, 1 through 12. We're not going to read there right now, but that's where it's found in that whole 12, chap- uh, 12 verses is how they came in, what they did in, and if you didn't get that get the get the c d from this morning, I kind of went over that a little bit more in detail and um and and by the way, in that detail, um I'm not going to go over it this morning, i mean this evening, but there there weren't just three three little guys holding boxes. We know we make it cute for a nativity scene, but if you had to go eight or nine hundred miles across deserts, um you got to understand we've got a thing called pirates, marauders, everything. Everything was based on you didn't just go out in the desert by yourself. That it was, everything was about covenant and kingdom. And that you needed to be in covenant with people. And you took a group with you so that it was for safety and numbers. And so, I don't want to mess anybody. We're not, like I said, we're not kicking anybody out of the manger or anything. We're not trying to put them out of the scene. However, they probably weren't there when he was just a little baby too. When he was born, wrapped. they probably didn't get to see the swaddling clothes, just so you know. Um, And we'll see that as we go through this. So, with Matthew 1-12, the Magi visit. Also, in Matthew, Joseph and Mary flee to Egypt. Um, That's not something that Luke puts in his gospel. Luke didn't have to. We'll see in a minute when we tie that together. Luke didn't have to because he had that. uh, Matthew already put that in there. So, in Matthew 2, 13-18... It talks about them fleeing because of this tyrant king named Herod. Herod is a name of; it's a family name of rulers, and they were some cruel. Herod the Great, which was the first one here that's represented, uh, he he ruled. Um, he was he was over Jerusalem and over the Jewish people. He was called the King of the Jews from like thirty six thirty seven BC all the way up to four BC. And so you got to think when somebody comes in and they're talking about there's a new king in town, it's like, I don't think so. And if you do any study on him, Herod was a a, um, a, a vile fellow. You didn't want to be born his son. Even his children, there are reports that he would take out his own children at the thought of them taking over as his kingdom. And so when you talk about, he's not even my family and there's a king in town, he's looking to take him out. And that's when 13 through 18 talks about how they hear that he's looking for the child and we'll see in a minute what that looks like. So that's where, that's what he puts in there. And then, um, so Luke decides to do this. So we've got Magi and we got uh, Joseph and Mary checking out of town with Matthew. And Luke, uh, this is where we get a little bit, we get the shepherds involved and we get angels in the fields. While they're, while the sheep, while they're watching their sheep at night, the angels show up, and it's a beautiful sight. This is in Luke 2, 8 through 20, and, and for time's sake, we're not gonna cover all of that and read that just right now. And so in Luke 8, uh, 2, 8 through 20, it talks about the shepherds coming and visiting Jesus. Shows they're in their fields, and then they show up, the angels come and they get scared going, whoa, we bring great tidings of great joy to you. In the city of David, born to you this day, a king. And so, uh, that's one thing that's not in Matthew. The, also, um, in Matthew, in Luke's gospel, they don't show up in the temple. Joseph and Mary go to the temple to fulfill the requirements of the law. Remember, Jesus was a Jew, and I had a friend of mine from Jacksonville. We were talking uh, on the phone on Friday evening. And uh, she was asking me questions. She just had some things. And it's funny because I just studied that. And she goes, Jesus was a Jew, right? I said, well, well, yeah, he was. That's the lineage he came from. And we began to talk through some things. She was, she was Catholic, and I love her. And we went to the same school and grew up together. She grew up across the street from my house. But it's funny that she began to ask questions about the true story. And I said, look, instead of going and running around in a shopping center, take some time and run around in your Bible, and instead of getting lost in the shopping center, go ahead and get lost in your Bible for a little while, and just read four chapters. Read Matthew uh, Matthew 1 and 2, and read Luke 1 and 2, and put those together, and you'll see what it looks like. So I hadn't talked to her yet. Hopefully we're supposed to get together next week over the phone and talk to her what that looks like. Most of what I'm going to be sharing with you here tonight. So, here's what a narrative would look like if we were to try to sow both of these together. And this is what I want to do just so that as we go through this season, we're celebrating the greatest gift of all to mankind. Bar none. There's nothing else on this planet, nothing that's happened in human history greater than this right here. The only thing greater which came as a result of this was Him being born, is Him giving His life for us. And so we have to, for me... This is one that we need to you know, like I said, we celebrate it all year long, but at this time we need to make sure we keep Christ in Christmas, that we don't get lost up and we don't get wrapped up in other things instead of wrapped up in him and wrapped up in what he says. So if I were to if we were to look at what we're what we're doing after the uh after the temple, um, after visiting the temple, Joseph and Mary, they returned to Bethlehem. So they went to the temple and they had to do, Jesus was a Jew. And so at eight days old, he had to be circumcised and everything had to be fulfilled. And when he took him to the temple, there were some amazing things that took place. So he shows up at the temple and, um, and, uh, let's see here. Let me, let me get, give me where my notes are. Um, he shows up at the temple and then, uh, let me see here. Thank you, Lord. I don't know if I put that one on there. Let's, if you would, Patrick, if you'd pull up Luke chapter 2, 35 through 38, 25 through 38. If you would do that one for me, that'd be incredible. I know I put it on there, but if you'd pull it up on our wonderful handy dandy scripture, y'all give it up for Patrick He's up there. Not only does he rescue babies, but he rescues his pastor too, who forgot to pop that one on there. Woo! Luke 2. 25 through 28. And if you'll look at it, and read this with me as we get this pulled up in the NIV, um, this is where um, it tells about him going to the temple. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem, Simeon, um, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Now, let me let me let me break it down a little bit. Being on him means he was on him. Like here in the New Testament, and, and in after Jesus' death and resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it's no longer where the Holy Spirit's on you; He's in you. Right. There's a whole difference in Him being on you and being in you. And so here, the Holy Spirit had been poured out, so it was Simeon, the Spirit's resting on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Could you imagine a man waiting all these years? As a, he's coming. I know it. This thing of waiting. Anybody here ever have a problem with waiting? <laughs> we, we, we don't like to wait for anything. We want it now. Matter of fact, um, we, we want to get uh, th- this, this company now that is, is taking over the world. They're trying to get it even more where they deliver everything the same day instead of having to wait a day or two because they realize, hold it, you ain't going to wait. You'll go to a store and buy it. and So, no, we want to get it to you. So this thing of waiting, he'd been waiting for so long for the Messiah to come. And as a result, in verse 27, he gets to see him. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. He looked at him and he said this. He goes on and said, Sovereign Lord, this is where somebody has been waiting. And he says, As you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Like I have, woo! I made it. I'm happy. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. In the glory of your people, Israel. How beautiful is this? The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Here's a man. They bring him. He's a baby. He's eight days old at this point. He's eight days old. This man walks up. They walk up to him. And he began to exclaim this over him. And so Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel And to be a sign that will be spoken against. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Knowing what, he's, he is prophesying what's going to happen, the way he's going to die, what takes place in his life. And then in 36 he says there were, there was also a prophet, there was a prophetess named Anna. There was a prophet, well, Simeon was a devout man, but here's a prophet Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then he died. And then was a widow. So after seven years, from, from seven years of marriage, and that could be, by the way, let me help you, in, in those times, she may have only been 22 or 23 years old. When she died, when her husband died. Because that says the thing. And so as a result of that, so at this point she was 84. So from, there's a long time. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day. Fasting and praying. Now I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Anna takes the prize. This is a woman devout who said, I'm not leaving. I've got nowhere to go. There's nothing more for me to do but to sit here and worship God and to pray. And to to literally pour out her life. And I want to tell you, we've got 21 days of prayer and fasting coming up. That's coming up in January. I know we're still in the feasting season. I don't want to mess anything up. We, we got a lot of sweets left to eat and a lot of good food to eat. But I don't want us to forget that that's coming and that's what Anna did. It said, coming up to them, there again, she comes up to them at that very moment. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So she comes up and speaks. So now we've got Simeon, and now we've got Anna that show up, and they begin to talk about the child. They bring attention to the fact that here he is, the Messiah has shown up in their house. Now, that's in the Gospel of Luke. Now, when when we go from there, if we jump over to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, we can see the Magi show up. So first... We've got over here in, in Luke's Gospel. We've got them at the temple, eight days old. Here they are. They show up, and then sometime later, they've already left to go back. And you'll see that as we read this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of the King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, "Where is the one who's to be born, King of the Jews?" They didn't know he's a Messiah, but they knew it. They knew what he was supposed to be because of Daniel. We said that this morning. The prophet Daniel had recorded. The timeline of when Jesus was going to be born. And so they asked, where is he at? We saw his star where it rose and have come to worship him. So the my guy show up and let's read on. When the king, uh, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, really disturbed. He was already disturbed, but now it, it got manifested. And all of Jerusalem with him, when he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where the Messiah was to be where's it going to happen because he wanted he had some plans for him. and then in verse uh, five, keep moving in Bethlehem and Judea they replied, for this is what uh, this is what the prophet has written, but you Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel, seven and eight. here we go. Then Herod called the Magi secretly found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. In other words, Herod found out some information, and the Magi found out some information. They, they didn't have it all together. Like the Magi knew there was a king because of this, uh, Daniel's prophecy, but they didn't know where and everything, and so this is where he provides the information to them. So they, it's kind of working together. This is how God, he takes a, a, a tyrant king... And uses that to help the, 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 Magi find Jesus. And as a result, he tells them that. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. Can you see this? Go and find, go and find him for me. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and, hmm, worship him. No worship was intended for him. And then verse nine and 10. He says, after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And this is what's beautiful. The star they had seen, when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And then verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And that's another story of what those represent. It's a beautiful thing. But you see where they show up. So, so Mary and Joseph, first of all, were in in Matt and Luke's gospel, they were in the temple. But apparently they left and went back. And so as a result, the Magi showed up, and that's when um, they go to they go to um, when when they showed up and and began to look at what was taking place, they showed up to seek out the Messiah. And so it actually says that they were went to a house, not just simply in a manger. So then if you look at the next part, the Magi actually returned home in 12 and 13. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Now, what's beautiful about this is God will speak to anybody who's willing to listen. These were not Jews. These were Persians and God spoke to them to say, hey, they were listening. They understood it. And then Herod, this is where we see where Herod's real intentions come out. This is why they had to get up and leave immediately. And this is how we know, first of all, that the, the the Magi, Jesus, was not in the manger. Because Herod had to figure out when he talked to him. And it said, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he, had, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, not taking a chance. You talk about a vile king who was really obsessed with power, that I'm going to kill every male child, two and under, because he figured out when the Magi had been there, hold it. Hmm. They left, and it took them some time to get there and find him, and they realized, hold it, he he wasn't there. He said they, that's why he gave them the timeline of two years, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. And as a result, we know that it was a, a terrible sight. It was a terrible thing that happened in Bethlehem because of that in the vicinity. And so, if we go to our next, when we take our next step, um, uh, when he realizes that, and then he goes in uh, Matthew 2, verse 16, when Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by them, and he goes to that, that's in Matthew. So we went from, from, from Luke... To Matthew and then to Matthew where they take off. And then Herod dies at 4 BC. And that's when we go back to Matthew. So we see where, first of all, they're in the temple. They dedicate the child. Then they leave. And and just because Luke doesn't say, oh, they left and they went back home. That's where Matthew picks it up and says, hey, they were already there. And the the Magi show up where he had already been born. Because he had already been born there. And they said the star. He had already been Born and he goes back, so they've already gone back. And then when uh, when the, when when Herod realizes he's been tricked, then he figures out he goes back two years, takes them out. Herod after he dies at four BC, that's when Matthew picks the narrative back up in nineteen and says, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up and take the child and his mother and go back, go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life, are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. Now, when we, um, thank you Lord Jesus, in uh, in verse 22 and 23, this is where, um, uh, it changes his plans, he's not going to Bethlehem, he goes there, and he says this, but when he heard the, that Archelaus was reigning in Judea, he in place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there, having been warned in a dream, and he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in the town called Nazareth. He actually said, I'm not going back there. I'm going here to Nazareth. And he stayed there. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophet that he would be called a Nazarene. When you look at how God orchestrated everything that took place... To put his child there. The reason this is so important. The reason I even bring this up to you. You're like Mark this is a lot of reading. A lot of stuff. The thing I want most of all for you to grasp out of this is this. God has a plan for your life. And God is able to move situations. He's able to do things that you and I can never. In our own. You know. Finite brain can figure out. And it's our job. Number one. To stay open. To say. God, what do you want to do with me? You've already given me your Son. You've given me your Holy Spirit. Now it's up to us the same way that He was able to move the different people in place. To place them in the right order. To get, the, to, to, to get His Son, Jesus, to protect Him simply by speaking through humans. Using them. Let me say this to you. That God is going to use you to bless other people. God always operates through fallible people. These are all fallible people. There's only one fa- infallible person in the story and he's a baby. He's a baby. God entrusted his only son as an infant who escaped mass murder, who was able to, to fulfill everything written in the, uh, through the prophets, and he was able to move through the people to have his will accomplished. Let me say to us, this is why it's why it is so important for us to see ourselves as a body. God operates through the body of Christ. He wants to take, and he'll use he'll use people you never thought possible. I mean, like Matthew and Luke, they're not looking for Magi. Who, we're gonna, who are these people? What, how did they get in the story? How did they show up here? And so, when you look at In your life, I promise you there are people that have passed in your story that you'd have never thought, how did they get in my story? I'd have have never been around, I'd have never picked them to to be in this story. But in God's grace and His mercy, He wants to continually do that in our lives and we've got to be open to receive so that we can accomplish our mission just like Jesus did on, on this earth, so us too. And so during this season, Here's my. Here, here's where I want to put it all together for you. I want you to be the Maga. I want you to be that person that comes along that begins to speak life into somebody else. That begins to draw them to Jesus. That begins to cause them to see things and experience things they never would have. They're going to do it through you. They're going to do it through the same way that the Magi heard the testimony of Herod through the prophet saying, hey, yeah, there it is. He's supposed to be doing it the same way. God's going to use you to speak the truth in love. Remember, in John 1, 14. Patrick, if you'll throw that back up there and we'll finish. John 1, 14. Remember, this is what he came full of. Two things. Two things. He came full of grace, and He came full of truth. Got to have both. I did a a sermon a while back, a few months back, on on how they're married together. You can't have all truth and no grace, and you can't have all grace and no truth. If you have all grace and no truth, you'll blow up. Because you'll just be one little floating bubble of grace going, I just, everything, you can do whatever you want to. It's okay, God. It don't matter. You can do whatever you want, God. God will just, it's okay. Don't worry about it. But if you have all truth, you'll dry up. Because all you'll hear and see is what you should and shouldn't do. Don't do this. Don't do that. Do this. And God will be this taskmaster that you'll hate to be around. And so will the people like that. But if you have the two, if you have grace, where you've experienced Unlimited favor from God. Something we don't deserve. Grace gives us what we don't deserve. It gives us salvation. It gives us love. It gives us all that we don't deserve. And then the truth solidifies us. It actually locks us in. And this is what we need to be with those around us. Full of grace and truth. So as you go about this season, hearts are open. Man, hearts are light. People are out and about. I love to and I'm a people person. I love to go shopping. My wife, not so much. We we kind of like, hey, I'm gonna go get you some stuff. It might be a little while. But because I'm gonna run into somebody and somebody's gonna be blessed just because their life is gonna be different, because you and I, we get involved in it. And so if I could challenge you, keep them eyes open. Keep looking around as you're shopping, as you're as you're eating, as you're going about your day. You know, look, look around at work there are people at work that need to be encouraged they need to know that hey this is the, this is the whole reason for this season let Christ shine this season let let that narrative god the same way he took care of Jesus and and put it all orchestrated let him use let him kind of move you you're kind of just going about your day and he speaks to you and said hey man i want you i want you to share this or i want you just need to be open and allow the holy spirit To use you to bless other people. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you. Lord, I thank you how glorious and how good you are. Lord, our own understanding, we can never fully grasp your goodness. Lord, you are, your thoughts are so much higher than ours, but yet you chose to become just like us and become a man and you did it through your son, Jesus. And Jesus, you chose. You humbled Yourself. You said You were willing to come down and take on our form and take on, literally, our sin so that we could take on Your nature. And so, Lord, I thank You that each one here and those who will listen later, either by a podcast or by a CD, Lord, I thank You that, Lord, we would allow You to do Your work, Your will, Your way in and through us. And that, Lord, during this season, Lord, we'd allow your the, the Holy Spirit to illuminate your love, your grace, and your truth. And Lord, as you illuminate it in us, Lord, we'll share that with all we come in contact. And Lord, we'll begin to reach out as we never have before and see people, Lord, those who are hurt, Lord, those who are are in a really rough place in their life. Lord, I thank you for using us to bring hope and to bring light and to bring love into their world. Lord, I thank you for doing it. It's in your precious name I pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, if you would, stand up with me. I'm going to be here available to pray with you if you need prayer for anything. I'll be available to do that. But I want to bless you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, what a wonderful night we've had. Lord, I just thank you right now. And Father God, you're the one who commanded blessing to be spoken over your people. And Lord, you said that as we do this, Lord, as I do this, you said your name would be placed on them. And in so doing, you would bless them. And so I say to each one of you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift the light of His countenance on you and give you His peace. In Jesus' name, amen.